You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Keith. The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menunos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Falling Skies After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Falling Skies After Show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Bing is for doing. We're here doing our final episode of Season 3. I am your host, Phil Svitek. Join alongside... Yeah, <laughs> hey! No, it's of course Daniel Velasquez. <laughs> What's up, Matt? What are you doing? I'm good. For those of you who've been listening Thank to the podcast, you know that joke. It's a, it's one of those things. If you don't know a person, you, know, you don't know the name. You know my uh, name. It is called Brazil. And uh, at first, when I saw the title, uh, right before viewing the episode, I was like, "Why the hell is it called Brazil?" <laughs> well, I was thinking of a movie. And uh, what what could have possibly oh, been a correlation between the movie and the episode you were about to see at that point in time? Oh, I can't think of it right now. <laughs> I just That's because there probably is there probably is nothing, <laughs> nothing. Um, anyway, and uh, it was quite a surprise to learn what Brazil actually meant. Brazil of all places, ironic that it would be that place that they were eventually supposed to be relegated to. Well, they would have they would have fun uh, during Mardi Gras. If they went to Brazil, and that, that that could be true during you know Carnival. But let's let's That's start cool. with uh, let's start with the special effects of the, the defense grid going down. We got yeah. uh, we got Weaver in Chicago. We got Dan and going to Boston. Yeah, we got a lot of things happening here. Yeah, it was fu- it was fun. Yeah, Weaver, uh, Pope, and Anthony are on a train heading to Chicago, where, where we find out that Pope likes Chicago pizza, and Lord is in, to- in tow just in case, and uh, they they're the decoy. They're decoy going to Chicago, making uh, the Hispanic think that uh, that they're attacking the Chicago base. When when really by by slow boat, uh, we see Tom Cochise and uh, and the rest of the gang with the Volm weapon in clear view, just uh, ready to aim it at the big tower in. Boston. What about Kadar? Kudos to Kadar. You oh, know? Kadar figuring it out. Yeah, they, you know, I know that was uh, kind of a, it was a major thing last episode of. Will he be able to do it? Yeah. Oh, yes, 94% he is. Ninety-four percent certainty he was able to do it. Yes, <laughs> he did it. He seems to really like the the uh, Volm uh, language too. So he he seems he's pretty damn smart. You know, I, I, here's the thing: as we're watching this, and as uh, so many good things are happening so early on, uh, did you just think this was going to be a great love fest for this finale, and like it would just be like uh, just dances and things like that, or were you like? Wait, well, we're ten minutes into this episode. This is gonna yeah, turn for the worst. I, I, I'm surprised. Well, I kind of it was very surprising to see the tower go down within the first ten minutes before the first commercial break. Yeah. The tower went down. So, uh, so you know, crisis averted. But of course, anyone who saw anyone who saw the um, preview last week saw that the Volm definitely had something up their sleeve. So we knew there was something going on with the Volm anyway. So it definitely set up the the scene for yeah, there'll be some dancing and some celebrating. It's true, but it's, it's always one of those things, you know, the, the way I attributed it to last week, I think it was uh, more of creative editing, you know, where they fool, oh my god, the Volm are bad. Yeah. 
Oh, wait, it's just a joke. It was, yeah. But it, it was, wasn't. It, it, well, a little bit. <laughs> we can get into that, but it was a little bit of that. But, uh, but yeah, so we, we definitely, it, it, you know, it was amazing to see not really much going on with Diavetti, uh, Ashvedi during the whole episode at all. It seemed to be a lot more just about the repercussions of taking the tower down and the Volm coming in and, and just, uh, can't we all get along? The Volm just trying to, trying to get used to their new digs, hanging out on Earth with the humans and, well, let me ask you this, Scott. You know, big question of the season has been, is Tom justified for doing what he did? And obviously, Pope, eventually he says to Weaver, you know, congratulations, um, the Volm did what the Asfeni couldn't do, and they brought us to our knees. Mm. And so, was Tom right to have done well, this? you know, I think I think one of the things that, Pope doesn't say this, but you, you don't usually, you can't get anything for free. So it's just interesting that the Volm come down here for free and, you know, for, and just willing to help out the humans and, and there, there can't be some other little sidebar, some little side effect or some negative aspect to the Volm coming down. So obviously being put into concentration camps, even though that's not what the Volm were calling it, but that's what, of course, the humans see it as. That's how everyone sees it as, is, uh, is the, the bad side of it. I mean, these, these, uh, the humans have been spending all this time defending their home for, turf. And then here they are thinking that they just uh, opened up the, the door for allies to come and help them out. And the allies are like, great, thanks a lot. Guess what? You don't get to stay here anyway. You get to go someplace else. So all this all Is this that what work. the French kind of felt like when we, we, we kind of <laughs> – when we came in, we're like, all right, we'll take it from here. I kind of want to look it up and see and make sure. I, I don't think it was that And we didn't certain. relocate them to Brazil by any means. Yeah, where do you relocate them uh, back then? I'm not sure. But, uh, I mean, the, the, the Volm even said that they want the humans to live in comfort peace and safety now whether or not that's just some line or they really are going to treat them in like club med in in brazil uh you know that that obviously still remains to be seen it seems like by the end of the toward the end of the episode when we see the volume commander and cochise talking since they're father and son uh by themselves they they seem to be really their, their intentions seem to be more pure uh than than we, we would guess well, let's take a step back. It, you know, it was funny seeing Tom's reaction to when Cochise comes down. He's like, uh, they're coming down. And he says, are you not pleased? I thought you'd be pleased. I, I'm very pleased. <laughs> I was like, wait, are you playing the Cochise? Like, what's going on? And yeah. that was, I was a little confused. You know, that's when, you know, I know something was kind of up. Um, yeah. It's interesting, you know, just even the exchange of they shook hands, right? And and Tom and Weaver say, you know, the pleasure's all ours. Um, we would love to share this information. And, and, and it's interesting seeing uh, Kochi's father. I'm not even going to pronounce I'm not going to Yeah, try. don't even. <laughs> um, Volm Commander is fine. Volm Commander. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I thought it was interesting um, because, you know, obviously Kochi's has kind of been the sole representative to us of the Volm. Mm -hmm. And to see his father's reactions to what really the human spirit is. And that, that's, you know, they've kind of gone back and forth of, like, what's the greatest weapon? Cochise has uh, said it to Tom multiple times, like, it's the human spirit. Is yeah. it the greatest weapon? So wouldn't you want to share that human weapon? Wouldn't you want to partake in that in that valuable weapon with your dad or you're with your, you know, with the Volm? And, and, and you know, what, I'm just jumping on what you're saying here. Yeah, Just even the fact that they are willing to give information that could be vital, being locals to the area that could assist the Volm and to have the Volm commander dismiss them. It's it's interesting and and this part 
um, just story-wise, this doesn't make sense to me. They value the humans enough to care for them and put them in a camp in Brazil, but at the same time, they dismiss them when they're willing to give information that could help them in their war against the Ashvedi. It it, it did feel like a bit of a a wishy-washy conflict. Like, do you really... Do you really respect the human race? Do you really, uh, you know, respect the human spirit? Or uh, are they just think, little pets or fleas? Uh, I think, uh, you know, to answer your question, and uh, you can disagree or agree, uh, I think they weren't ready for that to be, like, again, even when Kochi said it, you know, it came as a surprise. You yeah. know, it's almost like Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, where, like, you know, you can know the little hobbits for a thousand years, and yet they still manage to surprise you. Well, so, you know, I think that's in the, the case with this is the human beings. They, they no matter what can surprise you and the human spirit lives on. Yeah. And it's something that Kochi's learned along the way. And his father is seeing glimpses of that, but he's not ready to accept it just yet. Mm-hmm. So no, I, I think makes, that's what we're facing. That makes sense. Obviously, Kochi spent more time with the humans and he was doing recon. Yeah. On Earth, so he he got to spend a lot more time, and he had to work with the humans. Uh, the Volm Commander is coming from his mighty position up in space, uh, and uh, and and they've done this so many times before. They've liberated planets before, and uh, they, as as he says, they've never had to deal with an indigenous species like this. They've all the other species have been very happy to be relocated, yeah. uh, while while the Volm do the fight the fighting. So uh, very very interesting this human breed to the Volm. Apparently, yeah, yeah, very curious. So you know, I I, th- I think that's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, and, and Pope kind of comes out in full force, and eventually Coaches even stops him of like John Pope. <laughs> you know, but but Pope is really mad about this. You know, he's like, okay, we got the fish heads and we got the bubble heads. Which one ended up being worse? And you know, he thinks the vomits. Obviously, he's been hinting at this, and I, I feel bad for Tom because again, this. This kind of vindicates Pope's point all along. Yeah, well, Pope's always so quick to jump on, uh, you know, any opposition or, or the first sign of trouble he's willing to preach. You know, he, again, he's been very, very whiny. I, I, I like Pope better, more than you do, at least, but he's been incredibly whiny this whole season, and it's so quick to, and he's so quick to jump on that band, and, and understandably so this episode. I mean, I mean, again, uh, for those of us who, who know enough about, you know, American history, are, are, are familiar with World War II and, and the, or, or even like world history, just what putting large groups of people of a certain type or species into camps usually ends up meaning. Um, you know, a lot of that was prevalent in World War II, both, both in Germany and with the U.S. with different, for different reasons and different meanings, but they both were both very negative. Yeah. So I can understand Pope's aggression, and I can understand Tom even doubting himself. But uh, but Tom did. I mean, Tom got to touch the Volm Commander, which when we saw it last week, it looked like an automatic swipe. But now it just seems like it was a serious breach of etiquette, and he was it was more like a swat away uh, that was very very strong because I guess the Volm are, are super strong in comparison to humans. And uh, and the conversation was fairly civil once it got down to it, and and and. Like again, a Volm commander, I think, was very surprised at at, at Tom Tom's ability to uh, negotiate or to communicate. Yeah, and you know, I think I think what came out of it is, um, you know, Tom's always at the epicenter of all these kind of different things happening, mm-hmm. um, and so in many weird ways, he's a representative of the human race and all of this. Yeah, and so I think through this experience, he will find a way to elevate everyone. 
Pope doesn't have that foresight. I think he's very stuck in his ways and oh, yeah. sort of represents that. Oh, if Pope was up there, forget about it. <laughs> if it was Pope instead of Tom, then it would have been a very different story. Yeah. But, uh, you know, in, in Weaver giving away his guns, it felt like uh, just the human race being emasculated. Like, you know, I mean, I, yeah. how many? We've never seen Dan without a gun. No, it's true. We've never seen him without a gun. And he's just so depressed. Let's live to fight another day. Yeah. Well, you saw him very weak, and then and then also with the uh, the mild uh, heart attack. Yeah, let's talk about that. Mm. Um, you know, I thought that was very interesting. You know, uh, him and his daughter. He says, "Don't tell Tom." And I think uh, what, what's nice about this episode is we wrap up a lot of different things, but we also set up for an amazing season four. Yeah. So, um, you know, well, I'm I guessing think- that scene was really just to set up next season on how on where Weaver's going to be or how capable he's going to be. Uh, and even even in this episode, it just meant like, okay, no matter what type of resistance that they were going to take at the moment we were watching that that instance, you knew that, okay, yes, he may want to lead, but is he a capable leader given his condition? Well, I think it does two things. I think it does that, like you said. And I think also what it does is it gives his motivation for not wanting to fight, especially in a, in a, in the scene with his daughter. Yeah. Ever since he – ever since Gene has been uh, – in the picture, or as uh, her character has joined the cast, uh, he's been a little bit more protective. He's thought a little bit, little bit more about his life. Actually, I'm, uh, I gotta be, be honest, I'm a little surprised. It's not the first time that Weaver has gone on a, a somewhat of a suicide mission, but I was even surprised that this uh, episode to see him and Pope, who, well, Pope even, I don't think Pope knew he was a decoy, but Pope was pretty upset when he realized he was a decoy in Chicago, um, to see them willing to sacrifice themselves. Because, uh, because I think Weaver Weaver definitely wants to live more than he used to. But last season he had that one episode where he totally had a mental breakdown, and uh, yeah, he, he totally was more suicidal then. Now now he's kind of I guess he does he did it for a good reason, but this scene shows his motivation for wanting to hang back a little bit. And I think through Tom he's he's sort of experienced loss. You know, I mean, he's seen yeah. Tom going through. I mean, obviously we'll talk about the big reveal that. <laughs> With uh, them not being dead, as yeah. you were correct, so congratulations on that, Nando. Yeah, I get, I get one. Um, but at the time, mm-hmm. you, you know, it makes Weaver wonder. Okay, I've basically lost so many things in my life. I'm seeing my call it best friend go through this, and he lost, you know, a child. He lost the one he loved. Um, so I don't, I, I don't want to lose my daughter. Yeah, you know, that's uh, as great as Tom's family may be. That's his blood right there. Mm. And he doesn't, you know, he still wants some time on, on this planet with her. But again, yeah, it, it was a quick scene. And, and plot-wise, it didn't really advance anything. I think it was just character building for yeah. Weaver and also set up maybe for next season as to how efficient he's going to be, what what kind of a fighter he's going to be next season. Um, let's talk about Lourdes and Hal. I thought, you know, in terms of little scenes, I thought oh, that boy. was... boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you think? Uh, well, first of all, really interesting. I, I uh, well, I guess because the rebel skitters, um, they they left their encampment. Uh, they they didn't have the medicine to get the eye worms off out of Lourdes to begin with, and then also they wanted to keep the eye worms in there. I guess, like they said, bait for Karen. Karen could sense where where they are with with uh, Lourdes there. But uh, yeah, really, really interesting. Hal obviously is the only other person in that camp who has dealt with. Uh, more or less what Lourdes has dealt with. So just seeing him reach out to her and try and uh, and calm and again, her. And again, one of those moments where 
you know, despite this uh, tragedy, the human spirit will live on, right? You yeah. know, and, and Hal had that line of like, okay, will people forgive her actions, you know, even though it really wasn't her? Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, you've protected me in the past, so now I'm going to I'm gonna help save you. Yeah. And um, all that. really touching. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's just a, just a great moment. And uh, eventually, I guess, Lourdes is saved. Yeah, well, eventually. We'll get to that. But but notice how even, like, right before that moment, Pope still calls her a freak. So, I mean, I guess she still is. She's she's like a feral animal. They have her handcuffed or they had her in a cage at that ending uh, at the end. Uh, just like some beast. So, uh, obviously, she's got if, if, to go. So, you know, I could, I could see to the point where, okay, if someone's... If someone's sick, you know, you can't... They're just sick, you know? If there's a cure for it, then there's a cure. Hmm. You know, it's not really the person. And granted, their actions are their actions, but it's it's a symptom of the sickness. Now, if they're, you know... If they're the Volm or the the fish head, then okay, then that's a whole different thing. You know, then I get that. But he's, uh, you know, Pope isn't able to see beyond what's there, I guess. Yeah. So that's Pope, though. Well, no, like I said, quick to judge. What, what, do, you, what do you tell judge. Lyle uh, if, if Napoleon w- would have ha- been amazed to have you in his army? And Lyle's like, thanks. He <laughs> <laughs> didn't know how to take that. Yeah, well, I don't think Lyle knows big words like Napoleon. <laughs> I, I don't think he... I, don't, I think the bigger thing is I don't think he knew if it was a compliment or not. <laughs> no, I so know. he just took it as a compliment. I was, I was joking about Napoleon. I'm sure he knows who Napoleon is. Perhaps. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think he understood what uh, what term, how he was uh, being labeled yeah. at that moment. So, <laughs> uh, You know, and obviously uh, them kind of leaving is the fall of Pope Town. Pope Town. Well, I mean, Pope Town's back in Charleston, so uh, they, they left Pope Town from the start, but just a matter of, of what's going on uh, next for them. Yeah, yeah they, I guess perhaps there won't be a Pope Town. Um, I mean, if, if we're zooming into that, to that, I mean, yeah, they, they, uh, w- what's interesting is at least the way it, this looks for next season, it looks like a return to season one where they're on the run, where they're, where they're wandering. Uh, they don't look like they're going to be stationary right now. Well, wh- what what destinations could they have? Well, they said they were going to go to Charleston just to warn the people that they left behind over there mm-hmm. uh, about the relocation to Brazil uh, plan that the Volm have. And then they didn't seem to have a plan exactly where to go. So, again, it's really interesting because uh, because they, uh, they're on the run. It, it's almost interesting because they're from Massachusetts originally. They're from Boston, and they're being told to leave their home in Boston – uh, and go anywhere else, but they don't want to. They don't want to stay stationary in Charleston. So I'm a little confused by that too. I guess we'll see exactly well, where they're going. I think uh, you know what was nice about this season, um, as represented by the family, who we don't quite know what happened to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's other factions still out there, and you know, we we saw the present half the way. So, yeah. So there's still hope out there. Um, I believe know, that's what they were going to do. They were going to search for for Hathaway's gr- uh, group also and build a, yeah. a human resistant movement, is, is yeah. what they said. You know, and I think, I mean, in terms of holding down the foreign anywhere, go to how symbolic would it be just to go down to Washington D.C.? That would be pretty symbolic. You know, yeah, just hold the fort down there and expand from there. It doesn't sound like they had a. I mean, those weren't the cities that were mentioned in uh, in Boston, uh, Chicago, New York, and uh, and um, it was what was it, Jacksonville. Jacksonville? Was it Jacksonville? It was a Florida, it was yeah, a Florida it was, no, it city. Was, it was Jacksonville, but oh, I was okay. going, of all places. <laughs> it's a little out there. Why not Atlanta? Yeah, that would have been, or Miami. That would have been bigger. But uh, 
Jacksonville, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> nothing against anyone listening from Jacksonville. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Um, there goes Jacksonville. Hey, no, uh, if, uh, if you're from Jacksonville, you know, we apologize. <laughs> Still rate and comment. Give us five. Tell your friends about it. You know what? And uh, you accumulate enough friends out of Jacksonville, you might just be able to move. It's a good place for a segue. I've never yeah. actually been to Jacksonville. I'm just, you know, just shitting on your stopping grounds for no reason. Nice. Um, okay. Uh, so. Yeah. Story-wise, it was great to see, you know, Karen was always kind of this foil over our heads for this entire season and mm. what's going to happen with her. And uh, she comes back. Well, yeah, this was really interesting. I mean, we expected her to come back in some capacity. And and to be honest, I kind of – I thought it was a little predictable that she'd probably come back saying, the Volm aren't all they seem to be. Let's work together type of thing. Um but and, and I wasn't too surprised to see that big reveal about uh, Anne and Lexi being uh, alive. But uh, I guess seeing Karen die was huge for me. I'm I'm amazed that they killed her off. Well, it's it's it big because like. remember, um, and I think it's called Strange Brew. Uh-huh. We might as well just call it the Inception episode. Yeah. Um, you know, Tom kills her right in, yeah. his, in his whatever dream. Point blank, yeah. And uh, so, you know, I know a lot of fans that wrote into us were like, okay, is Tom really capable of such an action, such a violent action? Hmm. Um, apparently he is. Apparently he is. And I mean, he, she was still alive when he shot her, but the fact that he shot her, she had a white flag up. Uh, that's what's most surprising. Yeah. You know? That he totally, he didn't even honor that, uh, you know, that white flag. Which I can understand because they've been very deceptive before. It's like, do you really trust trust Karen with a white flag or not? So I can understand that. Was that Tom's anger showing through more than his uh, diplomacy? Where he's like, okay, you killed my... Oh, yeah. I, I, I believe so. I believe that that was no ounce of diplomacy. I mean, if anything, I, I'm surprised he didn't want to wait and see what this gift was. I, maybe he felt that that was her coy way of saying she was going to shoot him. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would have at least been curious to see what the what the gift that she was going to offer was, and then he would have seen Anne and Lexi alive. And I don't, I, you know, I, I think that's obviously where most of his hatred came from, thinking that uh, that Karen killed them. Yeah, and uh, you know, so I'm I'm, I'm glad that. It, it, it's great that it didn't happen because, you know, uh, it just goes to show that Tom is capable of doing what he needs to do. Unlike his son, Hal, who said, okay, remember when they did the episode where they left to go on the search mission? Yeah. I forget who, who looks at Hal, but, like, will, will you know what to do? I'll get Karen. Yeah. And he didn't. It was uh, it was our girl Sarah Carter. Well, I was surprised. Maggie. I mean, well, first of all, I mean, whether whether it was legit or not, I mean, Karen seemed to revert back to her old Karen uh, in that little speech. She seemed to. Uh, yeah, but how how was Hal when he was on? Well, true. Hal had his moments of being uh, of, of also like pretending. Yeah, manipulative. Well, she looked like she was dying, like she was still dying from from the gunshot wound, and then Maggie just. Just shut her, shut her up for good, <laughs> like that second, which I thought was a very shocking. I, I, I thought it was a very, very shocking scene seeing Maggie just do that without any, um, any consideration, any, any. I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Any pity? I, I, I just Wait, thought pity. Okay, you didn't see Hal's wandering eyes down to Karen of like I might still like her. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I did see that, but I still felt like 
give her the she's she was obviously in the throes of dying. So it was kind of like didn't even get the last moment of her humanity, what seemed to be her humanity finally coming back out and talking to Hal. I don't know. I just thought that was a very I, I thought that ended up being a pretty brutal scene. I'm surprised. Well, I guess we're going to see more about Hal and Maggie next season about like how that affects the relationship, because it did hint at it toward the end there that he's still a little shaken up about seeing Karen die like that. Yeah, and you know, and, and what's great is that it comes off such a great episode of uh, last week when you know they almost died, and it's like, okay, I love you, I love you, yeah, and uh, you know, now, well, I love you, maybe. Well, yeah, I love you, maybe. <laughs> well, even the scene in the beginning when they were preparing for uh, for getting the tower down, and Hal and Maggie are talking, and Hal's talking about, oh, the war is going to be over. I'm going to get me a house, and you know, settle yeah. down. And Maggie's like, I'm just good at fighting. I'm just going to be a fighter. So it's just obvious they see each other very differently. And whereas Hal seems to have gotten, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, soft. Gotten a little soft. He, he he wants to. He wants the war to end. He wants things to. Go, you know, wants to have a normal life. Maggie is just incredibly aggressive and uh, has no problems at all shooting anybody <laughs> at all. And uh, yeah, I guess we're definitely going to see a lot more with those two next season, and uh, and see maybe the good side or the bad side of Maggie because I, I think uh, I think Maggie's getting a little darker. Honestly, I think it's something to look for. Look well, toward. It would have been interesting. I think even Tom was saying it, you know, uh, is this piece like what, you know, what's kind of next and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and before they're even given a chance of, okay, you know, can we go back to just normal life? Obviously that's not happening. Yeah. So in many ways, at least for now, Maggie stays Maggie. So I don't know. I don't know. It's, I think they'll definitely have a dynamic. Um, but I don't think it's going to be normalcy versus, okay, we got to continue war and fighting because that's all I know how to do. I think, mm. you know, we're in the state of war, so we're going to fight because that's what has to happen. Yeah. Not because we choose to have that happen. Well, don't forget also that, um, I mean, just like with Hal and Lourdes, Hal, Hal showed some compassion toward Lourdes as well because he had gone through that. Yeah. And there was a little bit of that maybe between him and Karen at the end. Uh, again, could she be manipulating him? I, well, we won't, we won't know now, but for, for you know, for, the sake of what we've seen, it looked like she was being sincere. Uh, I mean, who's to say, like, if Maggie was near Lourdes and something similar was happening, she wouldn't just shoot Lourdes now? No. You know? And, and I think that's something, especially for a family type of uh, sci-fi show like this is, uh, it's, I'm sure it's going to come into play again where Maggie's, uh, this, you know, gut decisions like that. She's turning more into Pope in a way like that. That's something I, Pope would do. I just think... Down to the simplest thing, it's she saw her guy looking at his ex and was like, "All right, enough." Maybe that's what it was. All right, so in 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 this world, it's all good. Shoot your ex. I'm not saying it's all good. I'm just saying that's (laughs) what she was going through. Yeah, no, I definitely saw that. You know, and she could justify it through everything that we're talking about here. But Mm -hmm. I think deep down, it was like, okay, he's my man. There was that too. No, I agree. There was definitely that part of it as well. Um, So speaking of Lourdes. She's a crazed animal. Crazed animal. And uh, Anne comes back. This is just a whirlwind of emotion for Tom. <laughs> uh, Anne and creepy Lexi. Six, uh, yeah. Six-year-old creepy Lexi. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the, the big debate, um, I know as, as kind of I was watching it, I was reading the tweets. Um, what's the time frame between last we saw them and now? It's a good question. I would have to say, I, I would have to feel it's like at least two months. 
Okay. Because you figure uh, the time it took Tom to go the search party back and forth, and and well, maybe not. I, I, I two months at the most. I would say two months at the most okay. because they had to plan. The Vuln weapon had to be up between a month and two months. So it's it's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, obviously, the big thing for season three is what the hell is this baby going to do, and how old is she going to get? Like when's she going to stop growing? Yeah. And what's the the mystery about her? Uh, that last scene was really really interesting. The fact that uh, she went over to Lorda's and uh, and was able to just like calm her down and then get all the eye worms out and yeah. just crush them. So that was such a like you know a very interesting scene as well. Um, he, here's the, um, here's the cool part for me, and I want to get your take on this, right? Going back to when we actually, uh, when Anne was really worried about the baby, and mm-hmm. Tom said, you know, it's a beautiful baby. Yeah. And if we're, if the theme of all of this is just, you know, how great, um, family is in, in the, in the human spirit, despite her mutation, which almost seems like Jean Grey from X-Men, uh-huh. um, to an extent, so I hope we're not going down that road, but, um, <laughs> It seems like the human side of her will win out, and she'll use these powers for good, unlike Jean Grey in X-Men. I think that's the hope, and I think also, unlike Jean Grey, and also, uh, I think it all depends on who's raising her. I mean, she's being raised by the humans, so she gets to, and she seems to be incredibly smart, uh, and seems to pick up on things very, very quickly, so uh, I think it really just depends on her upbringing, as long as she's around Tom and Anne. And I think uh, as long as she's not looked down upon in any sort of way, I think, you know, I think as, as the baby form, she was very intuitive of what's going on. Yeah. She's like, hey, mommy. Well, it's going to be curious to see how everyone treats her, especially with people like Pope, so willing to call out people are freaks because of the way they are. I mean, this is somebody who who's turned six years old in, in, in a very short amount of time. And uh, other than the fact that Tom saw her as, as a six-year-old, he's never seen her be extra creepy or do anything extraordinary until that moment yeah. where, we had, where she had the eye worms and crushed them. Uh, so I wonder – I also wonder like how – how are they going to try and keep this as much of a secret as possible uh, amongst the troops, amongst everybody else? Because I would think that that might freak people out, uh, you know. And it's also, also great to, um, through the brothers, you know, each of them has such a different personality and a different take on yeah. it. You know, whereas uh, Ben's kind of in the middle ground, I feel like. Hal's kind of, in some sense, becoming the wheat one. And then yeah. uh, and then Matt, young Matt is like, the, you know, he, he's just all out war. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and the other thing that we still haven't figured out yet is, all right, we know that uh, Lexi has some kind of alien DNA, mm-hmm. but is it what kind of you know DNA is this? Is this some kind of um, special strain that she got from the Overlords when when uh, you know when Karen had them at the end of last season? Is this uh, Ashvedi? Is this is, is this Skitter? Is this Volm? I think it's Volm, honestly, and I think uh, the fact that um, the Volm haven't really been able to see Lexi yet. I think that'll be something really key to to look forward to if if we see the Volm uh, interacting with the humans again next season, and if they run into Lexi, it'll be a very curious thing to see. Yeah, I think uh, you know we had the Volm weapon. I think she's she could be their greatest weapon. She could be, yeah, (laughs) she could definitely be their greatest weapon. I mean, we'll see. I mean, that's going to be quite interesting. Yeah. and I wonder how old will she be when we start next season? That's the other thing. If it she depends. Ages so fast. It depends how. I I, I think um, if I had to predict that, I think we're going to be like six months ahead. Yeah, I would think because that's going to kind of you know we still may be wandering, but 
it's enough that some things are established. I would say take an eye out and see see if they have any casting news for uh, for, <laughs> for who's going to play uh, adolescent Lexus. I, I would I would think that uh, we're, we're going to see a, a much older Lexus than and then the girl that we saw at the end of this episode. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Mm. Um, so that'll be fun. Um, do you want to kind of do uh, favorite moments of the season? Favorite moments of the season. Uh, I I really did like the. Um, Strange Brew episode. I did like the, that. Was that was a? It was a fun episode. It was fun for for no other reason, but it was it was pretty much fun. Uh, I, you know, I do. Um, that was like probably the big one uh, out of all of them for me. And uh, I also just liked. Um, I have to say, Lord is especially Lord is the last episode. I really liked. I liked like the way they played her off as the mole. I, I did yeah, like she's last. Been great yeah. um, for me. I, the Strange Brew episode was great. Um, the one where Pope and uh, Tom, you know, come back from from Hathaway. Oh yeah, that was good. They had a nice balance of just as things were kind of uh, about to get big and things like that, and we we're going to expand them some sort of ways. We brought it back down to the human aspect of things. Yeah, and uh, I, I thought that I know it's different than past seasons, but I thought that really worked um, well in terms of what the overall message of this season was. I think that was good. Also the the one with the um uh what was the name of that episode? The the what the picket the the picket line with the family. Yeah yeah. Yeah, the family. I thought that was a really interesting one too just to see uh to see a family out there living on their own and see how how different how their different views and and uh yeah, that was an interesting one too. I, I had a lot of favorites. It was a pretty good season, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, it was a fairly good season. There was a lot going on. Uh, I lo- and you know, it, my favorite moment was uh, was Hal with the mirror. We thought that was really good acting on his part. Remember? Oh, the mirror. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking no, about. No, I know what you're talking about. That was a very Spider-Man Green Goblin moment, I yes. remember I said. Yeah. Um, that was really good acting on his part. So uh, part. so speaking of that, let us know what you guys think uh, You know, uh, of your favorite moment. And you know what? Why not open it up to all the seasons? Three seasons thus far. Let us know what you guys think um, of your favorite episode, whether uh, on YouTube, iTunes, whatever. But let's head into predictions for season four. And now, you're after Buzz TV. Prediction. Prediction. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, I think, uh, I think obviously, I think the child's going to be a weapon. If nothing else, it's just in sci-fi and there's just a thing about children. You remember, like, yeah. even in The Matrix when we were coming up on the third one, mm-hmm. and prob- that's why it's probably not even going to be the case that she's going to be that big. But, like, uh, even, like, they made out to be, like, uh, y- y- you know, the child is the chosen one or something like that. They mm-hmm. had, like, teasers of that. And she never really did much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I, I agree. Uh, obviously, there's going to be a lot more to the child. I think uh, at some point, uh, we'll, we'll probably see a lot more of the Volm, uh, maybe the Volm working a little bit with the humans or, or the humans getting in the way, as the Volm called it this episode. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Volm try and take Alexis for themselves for for use in their own war. Who's worse, the Volm or the Isfani? That's a good question. I think that's that's definitely something that's going to... Do we fight the Volm with the Isfani or do we fight the Isfani yeah. with the Volm? I think that we're going to see more questionable things from the Volm and it's going to make it almost more enticing to side with the uh, Isfani. I mean, I'm predicting Karen's definitely dead, so it's going to be interesting to see how uh, the Isfani would communicate with uh, with everybody since uh, since Karen was their main spokespiece. 
I think uh, for me, it's going to be interesting. I think I think we're going to win back the Volm. I think uh, we saw a glimmer of it. Um, I think they're going to feud a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's going to get to a point where it's, okay, um, you know what? The humans are more beneficial to us uh, as our allies. Hmm. You know, and we don't need to detain them or whatever you want to use as the term. I think, uh, you know, we could fight alongside each other in battle. I think I think Maggie's going to get taken. I think Maggie's going to get taken We're by taking the best Betty. recruits. I think I think she's going to get taken by these Betty. I think she's going to turn into the next Karen. Oh, no. I honestly think I hate to say it, but I think she might end up turning into the next Karen. I, I feel like someone's going to have to get uh become the next Karen. So Is Coachie's going down? Uh, I don't know. I think Cochise will stay a, a while for uh, alive for a while. We need somebody that's going to be kind of on the human side uh, in the volume, even if everyone else, like the commander, doesn't understand the humans. We need at least one person there. You know what? Uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I feel like we're going to have an expanded role for Doctor Kadar because he's going to. Um, he's been great. He's he's been great, he's and he's, we're going to have to understand Lexi and what better person than that. And yeah. also, okay, this is a man who just operated the the Volm weapon <laughs> clearly. He's got something going on, and so you know what? If we're gonna battle anything, uh, Shreddy or, or Volm, this is the man to build it. Yeah. So, Doctor Kadar, congratulations on season four. You will be used heavily. <laughs> according predict- to me, we will be. We were predicting that you will be back on season four in a heavy, heavy role. <laughs> a heavy role. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I gotta say, Nano, it's been a fun season. Yeah, it's been great. You know, it's, it's been a blast. Until next season. It's been a blast talking about it with you. Yeah. And uh, hopefully you guys agree as well at home. Um, but this is the last time we're doing it for season three. So, uh, you know, now's, now's the time to really talk off air with us because we're not going to be back next week. Nando, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at NandoVel. And you can find Nando on other AfterBuzz TV shows. Yes. He's going to be starting up soon here. Um, Once the fall season kicks in. I know. <laughs> um, anyway, follow us here at AfterBuzz TV for all the latest. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that fun stuff. Um, we do uh, 50 other after shows pretty much every week and over 200 in our full roster. So there's plenty to keep you busy now that Falling Skies is over. Thank you, and until next season. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 